Proverbs uh, on Sunday mornings, and, and we've been in Proverbs for a series of probably 14 to 15 weeks uh, right now. Um, and so uh, it's really been fun. It, it's been challenging uh, for sure. I, I, I'd never heard a, a, a series, a sermon series through Proverbs, and it's just been a ton of fun to get to walk through that slowly with uh, the youth. Proverbs was written to young people. Okay, written to young people. Um, a lot of times I feel like we have pretty low expectations for our young people, but Proverbs, as you'll, as you'll see, as you study, it has pretty high expectations for their moral capacities and their decision-making and their judgment in trusting the Lord and fearing the Lord, and we'll see that uh, in here. Um, unfortunately, though, according to um, Lifeway Research, 70% of kids who grow up in youth group leave the church whenever they head off to college. It's staggering, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. 70% of our youth, whenever they leave high school, head to college, abandon church fellowship. It's a staggering statistic. It really is. And our passage today actually is going to confront us with the very confrontation that our youth are having as soon as they leave the home of the parents. Okay, you see Solomon here is concluding a major section of Proverbs. All right? Pro- if, you, if you've ever studied Proverbs, you know the structure is such. Chapters 1 through 9 function really in a, in a, in a literary way where you have chapters and logic and, and verses that lead to succinct points um, throughout those chapters. And then you get to chapter 10, and verse, sorry, chapter 10 through 31, and you've got what is entitled the Proverbs of Solomon. These kind of one-liner type deals that you might post on a, a post-it note on your mirror as you're brushing your teeth. You just remind yourself of this proverb or on the refrigerator. But this is the closure of a major section. And he's been walking his son through what it means to be a wise man according to Scripture. Okay, To be a wise man according to fearing uh, the Lord. And at this point right here, he's placed a decision in front of his son. Son, it's time to get out of the house. We're about to send you on your way. You've got a decision to make. And that's the point uh, where we are uh, tonight. And uh, we'll just, um, if, if I had nice slides like our pastor does here, I would, in, I would have entitled this up on the screen, uh, Lady Wisdom, Lady Folly, and the Scoffer. Okay, and so there, there, there are three people that we're going to meet uh, within this text itself. But what we're going to do, we're going to read through it. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the first person that's introduced to us, Lady Wisdom. And then I'm going to talk about the third person that's introduced to us, Lady Folly. And then we're going to come back around and talk about uh, the scoffer. And so read, if you will, with me, uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through uh, 18. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn seven, her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added into your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are, in, are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we do thank you for how good you are to us in uh, giving us your word. We do pray that uh, as a church, as we just contemplate these words, that we would um, come to know uh, you in, a, in deeper and better ways, that we would be uh, people who are, who are wise according to the fear and the knowledge of the Lord, and that we would uh, be good image bearers here on the earth, and that we would not hoard um, the, the messages that you've given to us, this wisdom that we have, that we would share it with uh, the relationships that we have in the world, and that we would seek others so that we could do the same. And Lord, we just pray that you give us insight into what you're saying to us through uh, your man Solomon, in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we're going to first meet uh, Lady Wisdom here. Uh, verse 1, as we kind of tick back through these, these, these verses. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. Well, what is wisdom doing here? She's building. She has done something creative. She has done something profitable. She has built a house. And it's, no just, it's not just a regular old shanty home, is it? It's got seven pillars. That's exactly right. This is a nice, substantial uh, mansion, uh, commentators tell us. This is something significant that wisdom uh, has built. It is also important to really have a brief discussion about uh, what wisdom is here. There, there's all kind of wisdoms in the world, right? You can have financial wisdom. You can have sport wisdom. You can have any number of different uh, savviness and, and wisdoms that, that we abide by. But the wisdom that is talk, that's being uh, talked about here, this wisdom that has built this house is, is biblical wisdom. All right, This is true wisdom. This is wisdom that existed when the earth was created, as we'll see here in, in, in chapter 18. This, this is real deal wisdom. This is wisdom given by the God who created this world and who knows how it functions best. All right, God created the world. We recognize and acknowledge that. And if he created it, and he did, with purpose, he knows to which purpose, and he knows, to how, he knows how to accomplish that purpose. He knows how, to best, how this world best functions. And that is his wisdom. It's, that's God. But biblical wisdom is the type of wisdom being addressed here. All right, And it is doing something proactive it is doing something good it is building a home and this really harkens back to uh, the previous chapter uh, chapter 8 uh, verse 22 the lord possessed me in the beginning of his work and he's and solomon here is going to be talking about the creation account and how wisdom played a role uh, in that the lord possessed me at the beginning of his work at the first of his acts of old ages ago i was i was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth 
And he's going to go on and on and on and talk about how wisdom played an intricate, an intricate role in, in creation. This world was created upon the sure foundation of the wisdom of God. And that wisdom is building a house. Another thing we need to note, uh, too, as we read through these things, you need to keep them in mind because uh, the author here is really trying to, to compare Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And you'll see uh, a lot of linguistic similarities there and a lot of uh, comparative language. Um, and, and so we need to hold on to some of these things as we'll uh, use them for comparison uh, here uh, in, in just a little bit. Proverbs 14.1 uh, says this, the wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her hands tears it down. Proverbs 24, 3, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Uh, what Solomon's going to be communicating here is that within wisdom, within the wisdom that God has built the world upon, the wisdom contained within this very revealed word to us, you, son, can have a refuge. And it is no shanty house refuge. It is a pillar set refuge with seven pillars. This is, a, this is quite a refuge. And the refuge that you take within this, this house that is built upon the biblical wisdom of God will protect you in, 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 in real ways from the elements and hardships of life. Find your home there, is what he's telling uh, his son. So this wisdom, um, she's, a, she's an industrious lady. She's, she's got some skill. Um, compared to uh, the foolish lady, uh, or Lady Folly, um, who just sits at her house, she seems like uh, the real deal. What else does she have for the person who would adhere and choose her? Well, verse 2. She has slaughtered her beasts. And she has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. All right. There's a meal happening. We like meals, don't we? Man, was, was that an amen or was that just a mmm? What was that? I don't know. Let's talk about meals more, I think, in here. But she's got a meal happening. And, and this no just standard meal. Keep in mind, we're going to see uh, the type of meal that uh, Lady Folly is going to be preparing for. The person who would choose her is, is a much lesser quality uh, than what uh, Lady Wisdom has, but she has slaughtered her beast. She's gone to extremes to feed her house, those who fill her house with the highest quality of food. And, you know, meat during these days is not meat as in our day. Meat was a commodity then. It, was not, it wasn't like Jeff Omer has, you know, his goats out in his yard and he's got 15 of them or whatever, and it's just kind of a, uh, something that he does for a pastime. I mean, that, that's not the, the situation here. Meat was a hot commodity, okay? The, and the wisdom here, Lady Wisdom, is going to extreme sacrifices to feed those who come into her house. What else does she do? She mixes her wine. Now, commentators tell us that she's not watering down her wine here. That she's actually mixing it with spices and honey to make it all the more rich and all the more better. Yeah. So she is preparing quite the fine uh, meal here. Um, Psalm 63.5. If you'll just flip uh, there with me really quickly. This is my hope for you. 
as you, every time you step in here and you sit under the preaching and teaching of God's word, I hope that, that this is the reality um, for you. But the psalmist write my, writes, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Uh, that's the goal. Uh, God's wisdom, God's word, satisfies the soul in a way that nothing else can, okay? As with rich food. Now, last weekend, my wife's parents were in town, and we eat a lot whenever they come to town. We eat a lot, period, I think. But we eat a lot whenever they come to town, and we eat, we eat breakfast. I'm, I'm a huge fan of breakfast. I like breakfast. Yeah, I like breakfast. Well, we ate probably one of the richest food breakfasts I've ever had. We had a half pound of bacon, maybe more. I don't know. We had a lot of bacon just between five of us. We had a casserole that was layered with crescent rolls on top. It had sausage and cream cheese as the underlayer. Bacon with that. And then my wife made some of the finest cheese grits that she's ever made. And yes, absolutely. These were good. These were done the right way. They were done with milk, not water. You know, so they were, they were rich, they, and they had plenty of cheese in there. And I, and I ate my fill. And whenever I sat there after eating, my body didn't want a single... Did, I didn't, my mind didn't want to think about food, and my body couldn't handle anymore. This is the type of meal that biblical wisdom has for us. If we trust that God's word is true, that he is who he said he is... And that the world functions in the, in the, in according to how he has designed it. Whenever we align our desires with him, our souls will be satisfied just like I was on that day. <laughs> to the max, just like the psalmist is in Psalm 63, 5. But we have that opportunity uh, every time we come uh, into this place. So we have a refuge and we have a fine feast, a rich, filling feast uh, for those who would enter into the household of wisdom. Verse 3, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, and this is what they're saying, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. She's got these fine things prepared and she's trying to call people uh, to them. She's somewhat evangelistic, right? She's going out into the community, into the city. She's evangelistic with this wisdom and calling people into the home that she has built to partake in this meal that she has prepared. Sounds familiar. There's a, there's a lot of Jesus-type types uh, within this language itself, okay? Um, but she's going to the highest point in town, and she is a herald of this message, just as we are for the gospel. And then who does she call here? Who does she call she calls the simple, right? Now, who are the simple? The simple are uh, people who continually show themselves uh, in, in Proverbs. In fact, if you look in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, we have, uh, in, in, as in part of the introduction, we have Solomon writing that, that the proverb of Solomon, son of, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple. 
and knowledge and discretion to the youth. All right? These simple, the, the people who are, t- who are dubbed as simple here, are youthful persons. And why are they simple? They haven't experienced life yet. They have not experienced life yet. They have not been battered by the hardships of life in a way that would be instructive for them to live wisely. Okay? The, the, these are young folks. And the world comes to us and the world says uh, something. And, and we've all probably said this at some point whenever we make a mistake or something uh, you know, devastating or tra- tragic happens to us. We say something to the effect of, well, you live and you learn, I guess. Right? We, we've said that. We, you live and you learn. Well, the Proverbs here, Lady Wisdom is coming to us and she's saying something quite the opposite. She is saying... Learn and live. Okay, you see the... She says the antithesis to what the world says. You live and you learn. No, no, no. You learn what the Bible says life is about. You adjust your desires to, uh, to God's will for your life. And then you truly live. Where the world says you live and you learn, the Bible says, biblical wisdom says, learn and live. Um, and then finally, and, and that's the simple, and we'll see them come back up here shortly. Uh, verse 6, in order to, um, sorry, leave your simple ways and live, walk in the way of insight. What is the message? Leave your simplicity. Leave your former ways and adhere to what God has done in the world. Adhere Join yourself with what God is doing and how he has done it. Biblical wisdom. Join yourself to it. There's repentance type of uh, language here. Leave your simple ways and go in a different direction. So that's Lady, that's lady Wisdom. And we're going to jump down to verse 13. And we're going to meet another lady, Lady Folly. And keep in mind, this is a father speaking to a son here. The son's about to launch out into uh, the world. And he's got major choices to make. Verse 13. The lady folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the house or in the depths of Sheol. Again, the author here is trying to draw distinct comparisons between the two opportunities that his son is going to have to pursue um, as he launches into his own life. The son is leaving the protective walls of his dad's decision. Okay, of his dad's restraints. And he's going out into the real world where there are real temptations. And this is uh, Lady Folly. What are some similarities between these, uh, these two people? Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. Well, both are casting an invitation, right? You will be enticed one way or the other uh, by one of these two ways. You will either in life be someone who adheres to 
God's word and what he has done in the world and what he has done through Christ, you will adhere to that or you will adhere to the way of the world. There's no middle ground. There's, there's not. You're going to make a decision or you have made a decision and you're going to continue to deal with the implications and repercussions of that decision throughout your life. There's no middle ground here, son. You've got a decision to make and both are casting um, an invitation. Both are offering sustenance. Okay, Both are coming uh, to uh, the son and saying, listen, we have what you need for your physical life, food. We, we, we're offering uh, that to you. And then finally, both are offering enjoyment and pleasure, albeit on, on the sustenance issue, one is much more rich uh, than the other, right? Lady Wisdom has a, quite a fine meal prepared, whereas Lady Folly has water and bread. I'm not going to eat, yeah, I don't go for water and bread too often. But that's, that, those are the offerings. But then we also have both offering enjoyment uh, and pleasure. Look at what Lady Folly is saying. Whoever, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Obviously, there's enjoyment and pleasure tied to a nice ribeye and the fine wine that this lady is mixing. That, that, that's given. But Lady Folly is coming to us and saying that stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is folly. And we say, you know, if you put these two in a comparative analysis sheet and, and you choose A or B, then, you know, always we're going to go A, the fine meal, obviously. But isn't there something within us as human beings that likes the stolen water? We have sinful tendencies uh, deep within us that finds pleasure in taking things that maybe isn't necessarily ours or doing things contrary to the way that God designed them to be. Uh, that's been a major topic of conversation for in Proverbs leading up to this point, particularly relating to sexual relations okay, and, and, and the adulteress. We as human fallen beings, we have a tendency to find sweetness within things that ought not to be sweet. We do that, okay? And it's a lie. It is a complete uh, lie. And we also think that things uh, eaten or done in secret can be pleasant, right? Doing things um, in, in a way that, that no one else will figure out that you're doing them. Secrecy in things like this is just a, it's a lie. To say that you can ever do something in secret is just... A silly statement. It denies God's existence altogether. He's an all-knowing God. So this is a, a false nomer. I mean, this is a misnomer completely. But we as sinful humans can enjoy those types of things. Even for the believer, we can have a tendency to pursue things in a way that God, not, you know, that God had not designed us to uh, pursue them. And that, those are the things that Lady Folly offers. But there are some differences, however. Wisdom builds her house, and what is Lady Folly doing? Oh, she's just sitting there, and she expects us to be impressed. She's sitting out front of the house, just expecting the bypassers, those who are walking in a straight way, to be impressed. She's not a productive. She's lazy. She's not a productive lady. She's not crafty. She's lazy. Wisdom offers uh, 
meat and wine, and folly only offers bread and water. Wisdom deals honestly with us. Folly is making glamorous promises that cannot be fulfilled. Bread and water, come on. Really? In comparison to meat and wine? You're really going to tell me that it's going to be satisfying in comparison to what Lady Wisdom is offering? Really? That's her message. And obviously, she can't fulfill that. Uh, And then finally, Wisdom's followers live more and more forever. Follies, playmates, die a sugar-coated death. Okay? Those are the two realities, the two consequences of pursuing either Lady Wisdom or Lady Folly. And Solomon wants his son to have a pretty clear understanding of both of those in two different categories. And finally, we have a gentleman named the scoffer that we meet, the third person uh, in this text. And we meet the scoffer in verses, tw- verses 7 through uh, 12. So let's just read, tick back through those, if you will. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a, a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. And then we'll finish out the other verses uh, here soon. Who or what is a scoffer? It's a good question to ask, right? Who's a scoffer? I ask questions because I teach the youth and it keeps them engaged. But who... Who is a scoffer? You have any ideas? Believer. An unbeliever? Yeah, that very that's that's great. An unbeliever, but it's someone who is righteous in their own eyes. It's someone who thinks that they're above everyone else and that they can't be corrected by anyone. You have no advice to offer the scoffer. Let me just tell you. They're not going to hear it. In fact, as soon as they hear it, they're going to come at you. Right? And we all, by the way, as a community of believers, need people in our lives who can come to us and tell us quite honestly with true, in truth and love the areas of our lives that we need to improve on in terms of faithfulness to Christ. We need those people. But let me just you know, ask you and have you ask yourselves, what is your response when someone comes to you with an issue that you have in your life that needs to be corrected. What do you do, husbands, when your wife comes to you and says, well, I really think that you need to be leading in this way, or you need to be more gracious in this way, or you need to be a better leader in the home. What's your response in that situation? Wives, what's your response in that situation? Do you scoff? Do you take the position of uprightness and say, you have nothing to offer me, and I'm going to punch you? Sometimes I get punched in the arm, but it's all right. It's for my toughness and good, I think. But, uh, man, sorry. Um, What's your response in those situations? And I challenge the youth, and any youth who are in here, when your parents come to you and they tell you that you failed in this way or that way or another, What is your response? Are you a scoffer in that situation? Because let me tell you, the scoffer is someone who cannot partake in the household pleasures of biblical wisdom. 
The scoffer is a person who cuts himself off due to pride from the feast of the Lord. From the feast that biblical wisdom offers. The scoffer cuts himself off. We need those people in our lives who can speak into our lives. And we need to be open to God's word in a, in a real and consistent way uh, to, to seeing where our lives and our desires and our will actually line up with God's desire and wi- desires and wisdom and will uh, for our lives and be open and humble and allow those things in God's word to correct us. We need to be that, that type of church. We need to be those type of people. So the scoffer's going to injure you. Um, he's, he's someone who, he, by the way, he's easily offended if you come at him. Uh, he's above other people. Um, and another question I have for you, just really quickly, is sometimes we can be really good and sanctified in, in certain areas of life as human, as human beings and then really struggle in other areas of life and we don't want anybody to touch those other areas of life. Okay, we, we have that capacity to compartmentalize our hearts and our wills, uh, which is sinful. Um, but what areas of your life of your lives, are are you a scoffer? Do you not want people touching? Because life has been hard on you in this way, and because life is hard on you in this way, and your circumstances have been tough, they dictate a a certain uh, freedom by which you can act and, and, and do things that are contrary to God's will. Do you have those areas in your life? It's worth asking. Verse 9. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be wiser. Why isn't that? It's because the wise man is humble and he's open to being corrected. He knows that he uh, is a sinner and that he is not a perfect person. He knows that he is in need of sanctification. So if you give a wise man instruction, somebody who's humble, open, he's going to be wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, this is a really crucial um, idea that runs throughout Proverbs. In fact, Proverbs 1.7 says the exact same thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So Proverbs, in a real way, uh, starts with that principle that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But it also ends that way. Um, it's really important uh, to the whole book. It starts in ends that way. So in Proverbs 31, 30, you have something uh, similar. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Starts and ends on the fear of the Lord. And here, Solomon is going to be reminding his son of the importance of fearing the Lord as you're choosing which of these paths you're going to go. All right? Um, so it's also helpful uh, to have a brief discussion on, on what is the fear of the Lord? Is this a, a scared type of fear where you are only, um, fearful of God's wrath, things that he can do rightfully to punish us as sinners? Is that part of it? Absolutely is part of it, but it's not all encompassing. Um, fear of the Lord is a healthy recognition reverence and position of awe for who God is. And that's not just his wrath. That's all 
of who God is. That's his holiness. That's his sovereignty. That's his righteousness. That's his judgment. And that's also his love. Okay? And it's also his uh, wisdom. All of those things are what Solomon is instructing his son um, about here. You're to have a fear of the Lord. A healthy recognition, reverence, and awe of who God is. And all of his glorious multi facets okay and all of his attributes we're to recognize and know who he is and as we as human beings recognize and know in deeper greater ways who god is we can rightly apply that knowledge of who god is to our situations and circumstances in life and that is the outworking of what it means to be a wise person but the interesting thing about scripture um, and we see this most um, clearly in, in 1 Corinthians and Colossians, is that who God is, and in His wisdom, in the wisdom of who God is, uh, we find Jesus. Defined, actually, by Paul as the wisdom of God. Turn with me, look there. So 1 Corinthians 1... And 23 through 24 and then verse 30. Got Paul writing here. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews. And folly. Man, I think, I think he just read this section. Paul was an Old Testament scholar, by the way. And folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. How could he say such a thing? That Christ is the wisdom of God. Verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ. Who became, who became to us wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. How could it be that Paul is redefining wisdom. The wisdom of God as a person. Jesus. Well, like we see in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom existed when the earth was created. You can, we, we read through that earlier. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, in the first of his acts of old. Wisdom was there. Okay? It pre existed the world. And here, Paul is defining Jesus as God's wisdom. You see this language come up in John. All right? In John chapter 1, you've got language of, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we read further, and we see that uh, this, this man, or this Word, shows up in the man Jesus Christ. This word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. All right? And Paul is picking up on all this. And he's saying that Christ is God's wisdom revealed to us. Just another proof text for you. Colossians 2, uh, 2 through 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach, uh, I'm sorry, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. How in the world is Paul saying this about 
God's wisdom being, being revealed in Christ. Well, like we said, wisdom existed before the world. God created this world according to his wisdom, with wisdom. And he has created this world in such a way that it is leading, in Proverbs here, it is leading to a time when a Messiah would come and would live the life full of wisdom that we all were required to live, but we couldn't live because we're sinners. Christ comes and in his wisdom, uh, in every situation, he chooses lady wisdom and rejects lady folly. In every single situation, he was, he was with God, Proverbs 8, in the beginning. He lived this life moving forward from Proverbs to the New Testament. And then we're moving now forward to a time where Christ is going to reign. God's wisdom is going to reign supreme in the new heavens and new earth. In a place where there is rich food. Where there is security for all of those who trust and choose to pursue Him. This is a Christ-centered text that we have encountered here tonight. Verse 11, verse 11 through 12, just to finish it out. For by me your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. That's Solomon's message to his son. Son, you're, you're going out into a world where you're going to be enticed by Lady Folly. And she's going to come to you with particular promises that she actually can't fulfill. Okay, She can't fulfill those. But here is Yahweh who has revealed himself in the pre-existent wisdom, Christ, who provides security, who provides a fine feast for you. And it's up to you. It's up to you, son. As you leave, here's your two options. And so we have the same situation here tonight. We really do. Um, we, we've, we've encountered Lady Wisdom. You see how Lady Wisdom is, it, it comes to us as we look through the cross back towards Proverbs and history. We see that Wisdom, this, this lady coming to us, is, she's speaking the words and the promises of Jesus here. She, she is. And we also know that we are fallen people. And that we really do need someone who we are united to, who lived in this world and chose Wisdom. Every single opportunity he could rejected folly in every situation. We need that because what? God requires it. He's a holy God. He's all wise. And that's our situation tonight. And it's my hope that as we um, understand this text and we, and we leave to apply it, that we would not only have, that we would apply it, yes, in the broader context of salvation. Trust in Christ. God created this world. He's all wise. He created it in wisdom. He's working out his plan he knows how it functions best. Trust in Him and His provision of Christ. But then also dig down into the, to the, to the facets of your soul and see which areas of your life and, and are there areas in your life where you have a pattern of choosing Lady Folly over Lady Wisdom, God's goodness and His, and his pleasures that He has uh, for you. And as you live... And as you repent of those situations in those, in those areas and grow in sanctification, you know that you have an advocate. You know that you have one who's done it rightly. And faith in him is the requirement. So let me pray and we'll be dismissed.